spent yesterday, not all of yesterday, but I spent about an hour, maybe 90 minutes, looking for grants and or loans for veterans, you know, for COVID relief. Uh, It would have been all day, except finally I just accepted that there were none. There were none for, uh, what's interesting about a pandemic or a plague is who, at least American culture, fetishizes. Prior to this, everybody loved veterans and soldiers and Marines and all the little troopies since 9-11. Like, we could do no wrong. We were, we were the most protected special interest group, perhaps not in real terms, but definitely as far as uh, social currency, you could not, you could not out minority a veteran, especially a disabled veteran, especially a disabled combat veteran. Uh, which is, of course, absurd because I spent 10 years in the army and there's a lot of pieces of shit in the military. (laughs) There are a lot of veterans who are pieces of shit. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and I never really had much uh, opportunity to take advantage of it really because nobody really cares it's a, nobody really gave a shit about the troops it's you just have to pretend you do um now that's kind of gone now we have to pretend to give a shit about DoorDash delivery guys and nurses and shit even though we really don't but now we have to fetishize the those jobs the essential workers and who knows what is actually essential it seems like everything's pretty much essential except for you know hair salons and nail salons and uh you know physical therapists are not that essential but you know if you're a cashier in a grocery store you're a hero now. So now that, uh, you know, and this, this would be a time in an emergency when I'm not really able to work because of, uh, you know, shut shutdowns and social distancing, all that shit. Now's the time when I thought, hey, Maybe I'll take advantage of this whole veteran thing. I bet there's a couple grants or loans out there specifically for veteran self-employed people or veteran small business owners. And no, they are not. I looked federally. Uh, no, no, you know, government backed or sponsored, sponsored federal grants. I looked from states. I live in DC. So I looked at DC and then, uh, I did find a couple lists of all possible loan and grant opportunities by states. 
there were none for veterans. Also, I looked at, there are a few corporate funds, um, you know, just kind of smaller, you know, GoFundMe especially set up by different corporations, whether it's, you know, Comcast or Walmart or whoever. I looked at a bunch. Then there are there are lists out there if you're looking for uh, a specific grant or loan you can apply for. Unless you're a veteran, there's none. There's <laughs> real quick we stopped giving a shit about veterans. Um, however, in my district, District of Columbia, which is not a state, there is a relief fund set up for sex workers who have been adversely affected by COVID-19. Because when you're social distancing, you know, it's hard to give a handy when everyone's afraid they're going to catch Corona, which I doubt sex workers are really suffering. I mean, I guess if you want to consider a stripper, a sex worker, which is kind of borderline. I mean, typically a stripper is not actively engaging in sex, although they do some, but that's, you know, I guess on paper, that's not supposed to be part of the job description. So, you know, I'm sure all the, I, I've never been to a strip club in DC. I've heard they're awful. So I never bothered to go. Um, so I can imagine, you know, the few strip clubs left in the district are shut down and those girls are probably having a, you know, difficult time, but there is plenty of prostitution at all income levels in DC. And I really doubt any of them are hurting. If you're, if you're a dude and I would say, or woman, but I, women typically don't hire prostitutes. But if you're a, if you're a dude and you're into getting hookers and that's your thing, you're not letting COVID stop you. Maybe if you're older and you've got some hypertension or diabetes, then, you know, then you might be like, all right, I'll take a month or two off. But typically regularly engaging in the services of a prostitute is a compulsive behavior and a little public health crisis isn't going to stop that compulsion. So I don't know who is actually getting this money for the sex workers. I just know there is nothing for veterans, which is fine. It's fine. I wasn't expecting it. I was just had a little glimmer of hope. I might be able to cut through a little red tape because I served my country in a time of war. But never mind. No one cares about the troops anymore. No one really ever did care about the troops, but now we don't have to pretend to give a shit about the troops. Now it's all about... Uber Eats and Instacart. Mm. So I have been, uh, I got a girlfriend. She's living with me now. 
and she is from Iran. Born and raised. So she's not familiar with a lot of the uh, cinematic history of America. So I've been introducing her to all of my favorite 80s movies lately. And it's interesting watching these movies 20 years later, seeing which ones hold up. None of them really hold up. Some are still good. And because everyone's, you know, it's the 80s, so everyone is dressed like the 80s and they've got cute computers. (laughs) It's fun to watch. And some of the stories hold up. Some of the acting is great. Like, I really, you know, I didn't appreciate how great. Usually the, the smaller, like, bit actors, you know, sometimes the stars, but even just like the tertiary actors. I'm like, those were some fucking great actors. Um... And which movies don't? We've had to abort a couple movies. <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes in and I go, oh yeah, this, this, I, I don't know why I thought this was good when I was 17. <laughs> Clearly this is not a good movie. Um, but what did we watch all the way through? We watched Groundhog Day, which uh, does hold up pretty well. It's a pretty good movie. Although it's interesting. Um looking watching now with 2020 glasses on first of all the movie is pg i i thought it had to at least be like pg13 and i think they throw a couple f bombs in there <laughs> there's definitely some some soft cursing there might even be an f bomb or two this movie's pg um and I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know this. Was, I don't remember this was PG. And then halfway through the movie, I go, this movie needs to be at least PG-13. Not quite rated R. You know, there's no nudity or, you know, real violence. But uh, there's a whole point in the movie where Bill Murray kills himself like 200 times. It's a lot. And it's framed in kind of a comedic way, but... He's murdering himself in all sorts of creative and outlandish ways. Um, And to me, PG means it's a kid's movie. And I don't remember any recent kid's movies where people are just offing themselves. Also, um, there's a bit, there's a few Me Too moments, which are fun. There's a bit of, uh, it's tough. It's not like you know, he's, he's violating the no means no rule. He's just using his unique position of reliving the same day over and over again to elicit information from women and then use that information in a plan to fuck them later. That's PG. That's a PG movie in the 80s. Uh, yeah and also well what all these movies what else did I watch um, oh we did do some Crocodile Dundee which is very cheesy it's fun but it's very cheesy 
um and ridiculous the whole knife scene that's not a knife this is not I'm like all right dude and all the bad guys all the bad tough street you know 80s new york guys they're all just goofy ass actors who with like kind of all doing a bad michael jackson impression with ridiculous clothes and head just walking around with like rolled up bandanas as headbands not even like a do-rag it's just a, a headband all the pro there's a lot there's a few i don't know there's a lot there's a few prostitutes in the movie they're all you know just like sassy white girls <laughs> like, uh and what else Oh, Beverly Hills. Oh, My Cousin Vinny. We watched the My Cousin Vinny, which is a great movie. It, it was, yeah. I forgot why Marissa Tomei won an Oscar for that. She was pretty fucking fantastic. And um, the guy, I'm blanking on his name. You know, the guy who just murders people in Goodfellas and Casino. Uh, he was great. And I forgot Karate Kid was in it. Ralph motherfucking Macchio on trial for murder. Yeah. My Cousin Vinny was great. I don't really have many complaints about My Cousin Vinny. I don't really have complaints about any of these movies. Um, and then Beverly Hills Cop, which uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's good. He's funny. Also, a lot of me seems kind of gay in this movie. Very like a lot of long, soulful looks with the other men in the movie and all the bad guys in the movie are just they're they're different they're all just fat white dudes in suits and i'm like why are these the tough guys oh fucking the main bad guy well not the main bad guy but the main bad guy's henchman is mike from breaking bad and better call saul a young dead-eyed goon (laughs) yeah that was great too Um, and all of these movies have kind of a theme together in that at least half the comedy is based off of homophobia and also Crocodile Dundee has a little transphobia. He loves to grab, uh, gender ambiguous people right in the crotch to make sure if they're a dude or a girl. That's that's at least three gags in Crocodile Dundee. And aside from all the homophobia, there's also always a black seen-it-all-before service industry worker, whether it's a bartender, a waiter, a doorman, a hotel concierge, um... Just always kind of gives a glance, looks at the looks at the white people weird, and gives a little mm, shakes their head. That's a big that's a big running thing in all these movies too. So I think those were like just two omnipresent comedic tropes in eighties movies: is the know-it-all, sassy black service industry employee shaking their head at all the rich white people and making fun of gay people. 
those were standard comedy bits. I'm going to try to get... I don't know if the girlfriend would be down for it. Basically, the movie has to be funny. Otherwise, she's not going to be into it. But I've been thinking there are some 80s movies I would like to watch again. Like, uh, like Repo Men or Raisin Arizona. And these are all, you know, or like Midnight Run. Midnight Run was a great movie. So I think, I don't know, I haven't seen them, any of these movies in at least 20 years. But um, some of them are a little, you know, Raisin Arizona is a Coen, Coen Brothers movies. Although she did like Fargo. She might be down for Raising Arizona. Um, yeah, but those are a little weirder, funny, you know, they've got, they've all, all those have like an, a, you know, just an odd tone to them. I'm not sure she'll, you know, appreciate or tolerate. She doesn't have to appreciate it, you know, as long as she shuts up and lets me watch my movie. So I might try those next or I could always, or like 48 hours. I was never really, I always liked the 48 hours Eddie Murphy movies as opposed to, uh, the Beverly Hills cop. Um, but those are a little darker, although she's pretty dark. She might be into them. We'll see. Uh, that's the viewing plan for this week. Also my, uh, my favorite part in Groundhog's on Groundhog Day that I totally forgot is when uh, Bill Murray decides he's going to learn piano. So he shows up to this piano teacher's house. You know, she's some nice old lady. She's going to teach piano lessons out of her living room, and uh, she's in the middle of a lesson teaching some little girl how to play the piano. Bill Murray gives her a thousand dollars, and then the teacher just forcibly like pushes this little girl out the front door of the house <laughs> like lessons over get the fuck out that always made me laugh whenever i saw it before and uh that did not disappoint and i totally forgot about that part but yeah that part was great i'm a big fan of uh abusing children for comedic purposes it's a lot of fun uh the job report is out U.S. job reports. And apparently, since uh, this whole thing started, well, let's just say in March, when the job report came out in March, I guess that was for February, we were at 3.5% unemployment, which was a 50-year low. Now, unemployment is at 13.5% which is the highest it's been since the Great Depression. And I'm wondering if we're gonna if we're gonna surpass the Great Depression. I'm hoping we do. I wanna see those numbers in my lifetime. Uh the worst it was before was in two thousand nine, where unemployment is at ten percent. We reached a peak of ten percent and that was like the worst thing that had ever happened to America, like worse than 9-11. And now we are well past that. So far, the U.S. has lost at least 21 million jobs. 
which that's a crazy amount. 21 million jobs not happening. And then what's hard to find because having gone through the uh, 2008 economic near collapse, um, I was not technically unemployed then, but I was seriously underemployed for about two years. And you never really hear much about that because I guess those numbers are hard to quantify. Um, like technically I had some employment then, but I was not making enough money to pay my rent or pay my bills. Like at the end of that two years, I had maxed out a credit card to the tune of about thirteen, fourteen thousand $14,000. And that money was just groceries and gas so I could live and keep going to work to make enough money to get in my checking account that I could pay my rent and pay my bills and like my student loans and shit. But like food and shit like that, that was all credit card. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to know how much of that is happening now. Cause I think a lot of people back in 2008, 2009 were in my situation. Um, so far I haven't had to dip into savings, not living off the credit card yet. Um, although I am waiting for my next check to come in so I can pay off, you know, the last two weeks of using my credit card. Um, yeah. Although I may be getting, so I did apply for some unemployment. I may be getting some unemployment, which actually, and I can get back pay for about seven weeks. So that'll be nice if I get it. We'll see. I'll probably find out in the next five weeks <laughs> after they sift through the millions of unemployment applications. Um, so job report is out. 21 million jobs are lost. Um, a lot of you guys listening are probably in that boat. More of you are underemployed, had your hours cut or reduced. So what do you do? And you can't do anything about it. It's not like, oh, let's, you know, find your bootstrap, you know, dust off your bootstraps and pull them fuckers up. There's, yeah, that's not a thing. So one solution, which most of you won't take seriously, but some of you will, and this is for you, is to join the army. Bad economic times, the military is always an option. And... I think I'll spend the rest of this time talking about what it's like to join the army. Maybe I'll get into basic training and what that, that that's all like. Because usually it's kind of military is outside most people's realm of experience. It's just not a thing that was really a part of your life. So I'll try to ease you into it. And this is not a recruitment, you know, poster. You know, I'm not going to tell you how great the military is. Um, or I'm not saying that you should join. I'm just saying it is an option. It, you know, it has some benefits. It has some downsides. Um, and I'll see if I can lay out some of those. So just in case, you know, your job is gone and you don't really have prospects of it coming back. Like my job is kind of gone right now, but I'm pretty confident that when things open up, I'll just be, you know, it might be a little slow start. I may not be working as much as I did before um, right away, 
But, you know, I think by definitely September or October, I'll probably be back to work in the same hours I was before. Um, and, you know, even if I'm not working, if I'm even working half the hours I was working before, that's enough for me to get by. So, and I'm too old to join the army anyway, I think. Uh, but, you know, if you are of age, uh, even if you are a little older, you know, if you're 35 or something, do you think you can't join? You can get a waiver. I don't know what the cutoff age is, but, you know, if they want you bad enough, and uh, and I don't know, it may be, like, the military may already be experiencing an uptick in recruitment because of the, uh, you know, when the economy is down, just more people are going to join the military just to, you know, have any income. Um, so if you're going to do it, I would do it now or sooner rather than later um, because you can get more out of the deal. You get bonuses for joining, you know, depending on how bad they need people and what jobs you qualify for. And if they, you know, have a serious man or manpower shortage in a specific job field, you can negotiate to get, you know, more of a bonus. You can get a cash bonus. You can get more college money. If you're joining a field where they don't really need anybody, you're not going to get much out of the deal at all. Um, so joining the military is like any other job. You don't just have to join and take what you get. There, there's room for negotiation, and they definitely offer incentives and bonuses for different job types, as long as they need people. If they don't need people, you're not going to get a big bonus. Um, and the bonus, you know, if if you get... <laughs> If you got a six-figure job and if you meet your quotas you get a 25 or 30 percent you know bump in salary as a bonus you're not getting that <laughs> but maybe you can some people you know you might get a twenty thousand dollar cash bonus if you've got a pretty highly technical job they have trouble feeling um and they usually you know the highly technical jobs they usually have trouble recruiting for those because people who are qualified for those don't fucking join the military because they don't have to. And this is a key thing, which a lot of people who don't have much experience with the military, this is the, if you don't remember anything I say, remember this one concept about the military and people who join the military. Because there's this fiction where people who don't really have much experience with the military or its culture or people who've been in the military that you think people join the military because, well, I'll, I'll say this. People join the military for all sorts of reasons. I was in the army for almost 10 years, like nine and a half years. And um, I, part of my job is I was a linguist. I was an Arabic linguist which was a skill very high in demand. So I worked with all sorts of, all sorts of other jobs in the military because, you know, I spent about a little over four years total in the Middle East um, before and after 9-11. And the number of Americans who have a top secret security clearance and have Arabic language skills are pretty low. So I was, well, my job 
skills were, I did other things besides speak Arabic, but you know, that just kind of gets your foot in the door. And those jobs just, those job skills put you in a pretty high demand. So I worked with all sorts of other, uh, other services. I worked with, uh, cause I was in army special forces. And so I worked with all sorts of other jobs in the army, also with, um, Navy SEALs, Air Force, uh, combat controllers, all the other special operation forces in the different services. I worked with other armies, lots of Middle Eastern armies, Australian, New Zealand. New Zealand does have an army, um, and their special forces are actually pretty good. Um, England, France, Germany, all our allies. Um, So I've met lots of people from all services and all job descriptions, multiple countries, and all of them joined for lots of the same reasons, lots of different reasons. I joined because uh, I had shit going on at home. Um, My parents never, my parents were also both in the military. They never really made much money. And my last couple years of high school, my younger sister got leukemia and that really put a much bigger dent in my parents' finances. So even without the, you know, my sister getting sick, I don't think there would have been a college fund for me. And there was definitely nothing um, after my sister got sick. So... I was in this weird position where my family really had no money. I mean, at one point my dad was like delivering pizzas, like moonlighting, delivering pizzas just to like, yeah, my dad really hustled his ass off. That was, that was cool to him. Uh, but there was a good year, year and a half. He was delivering pizzas every night just to bring in a little extra income while my parent, while my sister was like living in the hospital basically for six months. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So basically, you know, economic hardship, you know, and other family issues at home because of all the stress. I was like, I got to get the fuck out. And college is not an option right now. I guess I could have maybe, maybe worked at McDonald's, but I didn't have a car to get there. <laughs> so I could have maybe worked at McDonald's and then gone to the local community college, but I didn't even, I, I had no way to get to a job or classes. I was kind of like in the suburbs of Maryland, kind of rural suburbs, way the fuck out. There's no walking anywhere, Um, at least not anywhere, you know, to any job or school. So suddenly joining the Army was an attractive option. Um, You know, I could kind of get out in the world, set myself up a little bit, and maybe get more opportunities for a better job or college later on. Basically I joined for the college money. Um, a lot of other people I joined or I met joined cause they were kind of everybody's most everybody's running away from something, running away from parents, running away from husbands, wives, kids. Um, a lot of dudes had knocked some girl up and for some reason, you know, this was in, mid I joined in 1994 for some reason they thought it was 1950 and they had to marry the girl that they knocked up. It's like, 
Okay. Uh, you don't really have to do that anymore, but whatever. A lot of guys join for that. A lot of a lot of women join. I was always interested in why women join the military. Um, definitely for a guy, there is a bit of kind of testing yourself. You know, it's we don't really have many tribal rituals in America to like for transition from a boy into a man. The military is kind of one of those. So I think that's probably part, at least some part of why every guy will join the military. There's a little bit of that. Um, I don't know that women really have that. So a lot of women join to get away from some boyfriend or just get out of whatever shit town they grew up in. Uh, when I started, I was a military intelligence. So most everybody was a little smarter than average. Definitely not everybody was a genius. There are definitely a lot of idiots, but on average, everybody was a little smarter. And I noticed a lot of the women were kind of like, they were just, you know, they grew up in a smaller town and they were just too smart for that town. And they just kind of had to get the fuck out. And, you know, there's a, there's a bigger world out there. Um, and they maybe had the aptitude, but not the means to make that happen. So the military is good for that. Um, a lot of people join for the dental. A surprising amount of people I've met joined just to get their fucking teeth fixed. Like, I'm going to give you two, three, four years of my life. Just fix my fucked up grill, army. <laughs> a lot of people joined for that. And medical and other things like that. So, everybody, basically, people join the military because it makes basically economic sense for them to do so and in economic times of trouble or times of economic trouble i just want to let you guys know that the military is an option mostly i'm trying to talk to uh half at least half maybe more of the kids i do comedy open mics with who are in their 20s, maybe even early 30s. And I'll see you out there every night doing the same shitty five minutes of comedy. Not getting any laughs. Not changing your jokes at all. I'm not saying you shouldn't do comedy. I'm just saying you should maybe go out and do something else for a couple of years, then come back to comedy. That might be a good option. And you get a paycheck while you do it. And, you know, there's no major war on. So, you know, you probably won't get, probably won't get your balls blown off. Or your labia. I'm talking to the women, too. Um, but yes. That said. Everyone joins the army. For lots of reasons. Never, ever. In the nine and a half years I was in, did I ever meet anyone who joined the military to serve their country? That is not a thing. People say they do. People might say they do. Like if you took if you took a you took a random troopy, you know, pointed a CNN camera at them for a little you know fifteen second video clip of like, hey, why did you join the army? They're probably going to say because they wanted to serve their country. But that's not the real reason. I never met anybody who ever joined 
to serve their country. That's not a thing. People don't make decisions like that. And I found like some, because I live in Northwest DC now, it's mostly, it's mostly, you know, white people or, and I include, I include Asians and Indians when I say white and some black people too, like bougie blacks, um, who are usually the angriest black people are the ones who actually grew up upper middle class. Um, I include them when I say white, um, meaning you're born to some sort of privilege. Um, there's an idea that like people who join the military are just some other breed of person who make these selfless acts of sacrifice. And I just want to let you guys know that that is a fucking fiction. <laughs> None of that is true. People are pretty much all the same. People do things and make decisions and choose a course in life based on options available and some sort of return on the investment of their time and energy. And that's it. That's what everybody does. If you grew up with a little bit of money, parents had some money, you have more options. You have more options for school. You have more options for career. You can go to school and maybe when you graduate, you can probably like have mommy and daddy support you while you get a, you know, get an internship that doesn't really pay you enough to live on, but you can tough that out for a year and then work your way into getting like a nice cushy job. And maybe that job, the pay's not great at first, but it's definitely better than my situation where I had nothing. I couldn't even work at McDonald's. So why would I, in that situation, want to serve my country that hadn't done shit for me <laughs> so far? And not that I, I don't, not that I would expect the country to, you know, it's not the country's job to take care of me personally, but also it's not my job to just out of a sense of duty or service, give, you know, some prime years of my youth to sitting in the desert. No, I want something. I'll, yeah, I'll give it. I want something in return. That's who joins the military. And, you know, if, if I ever had met someone in the military who told me, and if I believed that, if I believed that they believed what they were saying. If they told me that they joined to serve their country, I would have got the hell away from that motherfucker. That motherfucker's insane. That is crazy talk. And if I couldn't get away from them, there's a good chance I'd have thrown a grenade in their tent and then buried them in the desert. Because those motherfuckers get people killed. Those are the motherfuckers who are out trying to get a medal. I did meet a few of them, a couple motherfuckers who were like trying to get a medal of honor or, you know, try to get some fancy, fancy medal. <laughs> like those motherfuckers get you killed. I don't want to, most medals of honor are given posthumously. <laughs> I don't want a medal on my coffin. Get the fuck out of here. And also, you know, 
I also wanted to jump out of planes and blow shit up and eat snakes and shoot people in the face. And yeah, that's all it too. But if I'd have had the money and opportunity to go to Harvard, I'd have gone to Harvard. I'm not a fucking idiot. I'd have gone to Harvard and then, you know, made a bunch of cash and then I could have taken that cash and used it to go to a three-week resort where I eat steak and lobster and I get to kick down doors and shoot fake terrorists in the face. I'd have done that. I would have lived out all my Rambo military fantasies that way. But, you know, I didn't have the money or opportunity to go to pro or money or opportunity to go to Harvard. So I had to do that shit for real. (laughs) Had to do it for real. So what is it like to join the military? It's kind of, I mean, it's a job. It's a job. It's, it's like any job. And I found, you know, cause it was kind of, it was pretty much my first job. Um, and initially, you know, all the rules and regulations, they seem, they don't even really seem oppressive at first because you expect it. You're like, all right, I'm joining the military. I'm going to basic training. You know, they're going to yell at me. They're going to make me do push ups. I'm going to have to like, you know, make my bed a certain way and shine my boots and do all this. And that's all, I'm definitely not, you know, of that mindset. I've always been pretty self-disciplined. I don't need other people telling me what to do. I actively resist any sort of authority. But I knew the deal beforehand, so then it just becomes a game to play. And then once you're doing it, it's not really nearly as oppressive as you expect or as you, you know, might have seen in a movie or something like that. It's pretty much like, like basic training is interesting because they yell, you know, your drill sergeants yell, but they don't really yell at you individually. Mostly they're yelling because there's a lot of people and they need to be heard. And they're just very direct. You know, they don't want to waste a lot of time explaining to you why you're doing something. Um, And there's a bit of indoctrination where it's like, you're just, you're a cog in the machine now. You don't, nobody gives a shit about your opinion. So shut your fucking mouth. We have to get this done. Maybe it seems stupid that we're doing it. Maybe it is stupid that we're doing it. That's not the point. The point is you just need to shut up and do it. And there is you know, having been out of the military for a while, more people could use some of that. Some of that, your opinion doesn't matter. No one gives a shit. Collectively, we're trying to accomplish something. Shut your mouth. The sooner we get it done, the sooner we can all go home. It's more like that. Um, so I'm definitely not a fan of like an authoritarian regime. But sometimes you need one. Sometimes you really, like when I did theater, I kind of appreciated that about doing like professional theater because it's pretty much a dictatorship. There's not a lot of democracy or voting. Like if the director's good, they're in charge and we're all going to do whatever we need to do to make the director's vision happen. We don't all, and they may ask for feedback and, you know, they'll, you know, if they're good, they'll allow for some creativity or they'll allow you to try something out. 
And if they don't like it, they'll say, no, we're going to do it my way. And I appreciate that because it just makes for a smoother experience. And having done some shitty plays with some kind of weak directors, the play's going to suck. There's just, you know, they're called a director for a reason. They, they have a direction for the play. And without one person at the top controlling that, it just, you know, it gets messy. Democracy's messy. And democracy's great. I like the mess, but sometimes you just need to get some shit done. So getting yelled at isn't for everybody, but really they're not, you know, in the military, unless you fuck up, you know, and almost kill somebody because you fucked up, you're not going to get yelled at individually. Um, They just yell collectively at everybody. And there's also a big kind of, it's all kind of tongue in cheek. So you're in, you know, you're in basic training, it's cold or it's hot. I went in the winter, so it was in Missouri, you know, it was like near zero or below zero every day. So we're just standing outside freezing our asses off. Um, and the drill sergeants are yelling at us. It's, it's also a sense of, it's kind of tongue in cheek most of the time. It's, we've all seen the movies. We've all, whatever movie, you know, a basic training scene in a movie is always, that's always been a thing because it's, it just makes for a fun, it makes for a fun part of the movie. You know, we've all seen Full Metal Jacket or whatever, and they know that. They, they've seen the movies, they know you've seen the movies, so it's, there's a sense of they're just trying to recreate that experience. And a lot of people, you know, I found it attractive. I, I see something in a movie. I was a dumb, young, <laughs> testosterone-fueled kid. I was like, I want to do that. I want to do what I saw in that movie. I want to experience that. And that's kind of what they do. It's just kind of like, hey, we're yelling at you, but we're not really yelling at you. This just, you kind of signed up for this experience, so we're going to give you that experience. And there's a lot of that. Only, you know, they definitely yell at people individually because those people are fucking idiots and you are actively rooting for the drill sergeant to really <laughs> to really give that idiot a hammering because there'll be people who are just fucking the bright usually America's best and brightest are not joining the military like I said you know America's best and brightest they have no more sense of altruism and public service than anybody else. Like, why would they condescend themselves to get some shit job in the army where they could be a, you know, a researcher at NASA? Um, so you're actively rooting for some of these fucking idiots to get yelled at. And there are some idiots in the army. Like, I kind of forget. Because in normal everyday civilian life, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of with your peer group, whatever your job is. You kind of have the same qualifications as, you know, everyone around you. You know, your your friend group is your friend group. You're all kind of at the same level. Some people might be a little smarter. Some people might be a little dumber. And the military, and that's kind of how my job was because we were all linguists or in military intelligence. So we we're all a little smarter than at least everybody else in the military, most everybody else. Um, but then, you know, Sometimes you'll have to go to the motor pool and 
try to get a you know try to rec- or try to put in a request for a forklift because you got to move some shipping containers you know from a train to a boat and that'll take you all day talking to the forklift guy <laughs> talking to the guy whose one job in the army is to drive a forklift and his job is that because that's all he could get that's the only job he could get he couldn't even be infantry the dude is so dumb it's almost criminal to let him join the army at all it's like he should probably be on disability and go to a special a special place but he scored a couple points higher than the maximum allowed at the special place and now he's driving a forklift in the army and he's even fucking that up like that's most people don't really have to deal with people like that but in the army you do (laughs) it's great it's a nice reminder of like, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I am privileged. I'm privileged with, you know, normal mental faculties. And, you know, I always felt bad for those those guys. They're not dumb enough to be retarded. They're just dumb enough to be pretty useless. It's like, I'll drive the forklift, dude. Give me the forklift. I'll do it myself. But no, that's his job. It'll take them all day to do it. Um, but it also makes for good stories. There's a lot of things. The oh, A big reason I got out of the military. Well, there's lots of reasons. There's lots of reasons you get in the military. Lots of reasons you get out. One of the reasons was that I was getting tired of all my cool stories only being cool and fun after the fact. Meaning that I wanted to experience things that were fun at the time I was experiencing them. I think, does that make, I think that makes sense. So most of the times in the military, like when you, when you have the coolest stories to tell at the time those events were happening, you were fucking miserable. I got tired of that. I got tired of just being miserable for days or weeks on end. And then after the suck loosened up a bit or lessened up going like, yeah, I guess that was pretty cool when we were like, you know, on that mountaintop freezing our asses off and, you know, and then the helicopter couldn't come pick us up because we were like too high up the mountain. So then we had to like, you know, take all our shit and I had to put 150 pounds on my back and we had to like, go 20 kilometers to this other lower mountaintop and then the helicopter still couldn't come because they were getting shot at like that. Like that. That's a cool story afterwards. During, it's fucking miserable. And after, you know, after nine years of that, you're like, you know what? I want to have fun and just have fun. I just want to do things that are fun while I'm doing them. Mm. And a few times in the military, things were fun, but they, they were so few and far between. Once or twice a year, you know, I might do something cool that's fun. Nah, I guess more than that, but it seemed a lot of the time <laughs> I was just doing these things that sucked. 
And then afterwards, we're all telling each other how cool they are. But then you just start to think, are we lying to ourselves? <laughs> is this is this kind of like the, the opposite of, is this a confirmation bias? We all made the dumb decision to join the military. I'm not really selling the military very well, am I? That was the point of this. <laughs> I'm just saying, in hard economic times, the military is an option. And because, I don't know, everything is so compartmentalized now. When I joined, I kind of had a romantic notion of like, you know, Hemingway days or even like World War II days where, you know, half half the men in the country would get drafted, go to war for a couple of years, and then, and then you get out and then you just, you know, then you become an advertising guy on Madison Avenue, like it's Mad Men or... You know, you go to law school or whatever, or you do, uh, you start becoming an actor, you do like theater on Broadway. Like there were some old school actors who were like, you know, World War II vets and shit like that. I was like, yeah, but those days, I don't know if those days ever really existed. Those are just the few stories you hear, but they hardly exist at all now because I'm, I think I'm the only person I know that I worked with in the military who got out and didn't become a defense contractor. And I even did. I did some defense contracting, like did some part-time work. I never did a full-time. Um, but that's everyone I knew. They got out and either worked for the government or became a defense contractor and stole money from the government. It was either one of those two things. And the money's nice. The money's great. But I don't know, I always had this, you know, this idea as a kid, like, well, I'm an American and I can be whatever I want and do whatever I want. And But as you get older, you realize like, oh no, most people who are doing something, they've been doing it since they were kids. Most actors have been acting since they were kids. Most comedians started doing comedy when they were, you know, early 20s. Um, most defense contractors joined the military when they were 18. Uh, most people don't have wild swings in their career paths. Um, but yeah, military is an option. It's not that bad. It's not that great, but I guess it's better than, uh, having your kids go hungry. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not recommending the military for or against, but it's not it's not a bad option. If you're low on options, I just gave you another one. And if you're smart about it, here's the key. Like anything, you want to have a bit of a plan before you do something. So I would do a lot of research see what are the different job types that might appeal to you. I, I kind of think, you know, if you're joining the army, you should, you know, you should do something cool. So you have some cool stories. Most people don't. Most people join the military, work in a fucking office, shoot a gun once a year. I mean, that's, that's at least 60, 70% of the military. Um, that's what I was planning to do when I first joined. And then once I got in, I was like, I want to jump out of planes. I want to blow shit up. So then I, uh, I took steps to switch to be able to do that stuff. 
Um, but in the beginning, yeah, I didn't want to, I would, I wanted to be a nerdy linguist and not crawl around in the mud. But then after hanging out with those nerdy linguists, I realized that, uh, these guys are fucking bitches. I'm good at special forces, but you don't have to do that. Most of the military is working in an office or working in a motor pool or something like that. But if you're smart about it, there are lots of opportunities. So when you get out of the military, you can make serious money. Um, I would do some research into those job fields like logistics is one that's crazy. Like when you're in the army logistics, it's just supply. It's just stuff. It's, you just get stuff, you count stuff, you distribute stuff, um, which is probably the most important job in any military or any real operation because getting stuff from point A to point B, you know, you can't fight a war if you don't have stuff to, to fight with. It doesn't matter how big of a badass you are. If you, you know, don't have food, don't have bullets, you're not fighting anybody. Um, same thing for any civilian business. Uh, you know, FedEx has to has to get shit from one place to another. Amazon has to get shit from one place to another. Um, and there's big money in that. And for people who have experience to know how to do that. And that is not a job I would ever want to do because it sounds boring as fuck. But I met a few people who were just just did logistics in the military, which is not a sexy job. And they were making well into the six figures with no college education, just off military experience. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of job fields like that. Again, I am not recommending the military. But it's not as bad as you might have heard. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's worse than you've heard. Um... But if you live, and you probably will, you know, there's a 99% chance you're going to live. You'll at least have some cool stories. And a couple years from now, you know, after we go to a war with Iran or China or whatever, whoever we're going to blame for coronavirus, um, you can be fetishized like I was for the last 15 years, at least on paper, you know. Every Veterans Day, people love to thank me for my service. And every Veterans Day, I look them right in the eye and I say, Bitch, I didn't do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>